0: Well, welcome everybody Pillar Church of Oceanside Amen Yeah. Happy Father's Day weekend Normally on a Sunday morning we'd be gathering But um, we don't have that option right now So happy Father's Day weekend Uh, Special shout out to all the dads in the house Amen, thank you Thank you for that affirmation you know, dads play a, a pretty important role within within the home, um, and even with, within the church, we see a lot of guys standing up and, and filling that fatherly role and just sort of an example uh, that fatherly role within within the church. And so, just just a shout out um, and acknowledgement of the the significance and the importance of that role of fathers in the home. And I see one particular father who is um, back with us now. Dylan is back in the house. Oh, thank you got back this week, was trained to become one of the nation's finest warrant officers. Yes. <laughs> Hand clapping for another fellow warrant officer um, in the house. It's all good. Well, it is Saturday night, and we're here at church, and thank God for that. Because we're walking in obedience to his call that tells us that we ought to be gathering together. Doesn't he tell us to do that? Anybody know where he tells us to do that? Hebrews 10. Oh, in the Bible, yes. Hebrews 10, 24, 25. Do not neglect the gathering of the church. We're not supposed to neglect the gathering because it's important. Uh, It's a a really vital part to our Christian lifestyle. Have you ever heard Christianity referred to as a lifestyle? Is Christianity a lifestyle? Let me ask you that. Yeah, I would say it is. Absolutely. It's actually much like life in the military. Now, I know not all of you are but many of you are, at least you have some affiliation with the military folks around you. And so um, every aspect of our lives are impacted by our faith, or at least that's the idea. Now, I can't speak for the other services, but I was always taught in the Marine Corps that you are a Marine 24-7. Thank you. There's never a time where you're not a Marine, and you're not representing the Marine Corps in everything that you do. Anybody else get taught that coming up in the Marine Corps? Maybe they don't teach that anymore, I don't know. But being a follower of Jesus is no different, right? We are Christians 24-7, are we not? I should hope so. Being a follower of Jesus infiltrates every area of our day-to-day living. No areas off-limits to the Holy Spirit's work in your life. No relationships set aside that you refuse to invest in. There's just basically nothing that takes the place of God. And I've said this before. I've used this illustration about God is at the top of the list. He's not near the top. He is the top of the list, right? He is. Colossians 1. You don't have to turn there. I'll read it to you. Colossians 1, 15 through 19 reminds us of that. He says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him... All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. So, church, that's going to be a big part of what we're talking about here today, the idea of that lifestyle. Uh, I'm, I'm going to jump into the message here, but I do want to start with, with a word of prayer. Uh, so would you join me in that? Father, we thank you, Lord, for the gathered body of Christ today. Lord, we thank you that, first of all, you tell us in your word that we ought to be doing this. Lord, there's significance to gathering together. There's significance to the, the preaching word of of. Of God, there's significance to the unity of voices being lifted up in song to you. There's significance in taking of the Lord's Supper. All of these things, God, you, you you tell us that we should be doing this. And so I thank you for all those that have gathered. I thank you and know, God, that there are many that would like to be here but but are, are unable to due to health concerns. I pray that they would be ministered through the, the live feature offered or the recording, however that works, Lord God. We, we pray for unity in the church today. Um, when we're just kind of scattered because of the situation, Lord, but ultimately grateful that for those that can meet, we are here and and walking in obedience to you, Father. So uh, as was prayed earlier during our corporate prayer, God, I just pray that you would set aside every external distraction, the things that are going on around us, Lord, the internal distractions, Lord, our our sort of inner monologue that keeps us from really focusing on you, Lord, would you just set aside all of those distractions And help us to fixate on the Word of God and the preached message today, Lord God. Would you speak through me with clarity, with confidence, and with boldness. And would you help me to speak truth alone. And I ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. so if you weren't here last week, I'll give you a a bit of a review. So we, we, we said last week that growth and change always go together. In order to see growth in any particular area you got to change something about what you're doing. Amen to that? Okay, we're all we're good. We also acknowledge that change is uncomfortable and that we don't like it for most of us. There's a couple of hands that went up. I didn't get a chance to talk to you, but uh, most of us are uncomfortable with change. But we also acknowledge that as Christians, we're not called to a life of comfort. And then we also agreed that we all want to grow in our faith. Right. Let me just reaffirm that because there are some that weren't here. Do we all want to grow in our faith as we're walking this thing out? Yeah, I mean, of course we do. So I hope you've had an opportunity to sort of reflect on this over the last couple of days. Or maybe as I'm giving the message, if you weren't here, just the idea of growth and change go hand in hand. Change is not comfortable. We're not called to a life of comfort, but we desire to change. You put all those pieces together... And we're going to be pushed beyond our comfort zones, if you will. So we're going to pick up kind of right where we left off. And I want to begin by saying that a lot of Christians readily admit that they're not where they want to be or where they should be in their faith walk. Right? A a lot of Christians. Maybe you've said that in in your Christian walk at some point. I'm not where I need to be. I'm not where I want to be we're either not investing the time, we're not investing the energy, we're not investing the resources to come under the leadership of the Holy Spirit to bring about the kind of growth and change that we desire. Admittedly, admittedly, we often want to see growth and change, but we don't take the necessary steps because it's uncomfortable and it's difficult, right? So today... In part two of the series that I've called Beyond Comfortable, we're going to look at nominal Christianity. What does nominal mean? I'll give you Merriam-Webster's definition. Existing or being something in name or form only. I'll call it sideline Christianity, because that makes more sense to me. You're on the sideline, you're kind of watching the game happen in front of you. You're a Christian, yet for some reason... You're on that sideline in your own faith walk. Now I'll give you a little example because I like illustrations. How many of you enjoy running on the treadmill? Hands up, really high. Okay, one. Cool. Then you guys are going to like this part. <clears throat> I can't stand running on the treadmill. Because I can't help but think I'm just wasting my time because I'm not going anywhere. I'm just like, Ugh. Uh, it's awful, it's terrible, Not, no offense, I know if you like it, that, that's cool, that's cool. It, it just it doesn't fit into my, my illustration here. Yeah, I'm getting my heart rate up, I get that, but I'm not moving. And really, as any honest runner will tell you, it's more challenging and a better workout if you get out on the street. That's just, it's truth, right? Yeah. But in our Christian walk, are we actually moving forward, or are we on the treadmill? Again, there's effort being made, but we're not really going anywhere. Why? Because we're just going through the motions. Or maybe we're not even doing that. Sometimes it's more like standing on a treadmill that's not even moving. You're just standing there going, all right, working out now. No, (laughs) not at all. It has the potential to do something, but unless you engage, you press the buttons, you've got to do something to get there. You're just standing there. So, again, I'm big on analogies because it helps my simple mind. But maybe we can kind of do some self-evaluation by using this illustration. So could you describe your Christianity today as standing on a treadmill that's not moving, meaning there's no effort? You're jogging on a treadmill. There's some effort going on, but you're not really going anywhere. Or you're running on the street. There's effort happening, and you're seeing a lot of growth. Realizing those are, those are three, I guess, places on the spectrum and you could be somewhere across that spectrum, but that, that's kind of a, a tool that I'd like you to use just in terms of self-evaluation today. And so before I go any further, I, I do want to remind us that this is a lifelong marathon that we are engaged in, of growing in our faith. Some days, man, we feel like we're in the peak of conditions. We're running downhill with the wind of our back and we could go forever. Some days, man, it's just a struggle to get out the door and when you do, it's hot and humid and there's this giant hill in front of you and you're like, Ugh. here we go again. Other days, you're taking a rest because rest is important in the running cycle, right? you got to give yourself an opportunity to recover. Nobody can give an all-out effort every day. It's not reasonable. It's not sustainable. And, and so, therefore, it's not ex- expected. Paul tells us to run our race with what? With endurance. Run the race with endurance. And here's what I think that means. I think it means that we regulate how we are running our race. We don't ever give up, but we evaluate our running, what it looks like day to day. Sometimes it's a sprint, sometimes it's a slow jog, sometimes it's a rest day. But we got to make sure that that rest day doesn't turn into a rest week and a rest month because if we're not careful we can end up on the sideline of our own race with opportunities just going right by us to grow and walk in obedience to god so i'm setting all this up and here we go asking ourselves again the question what do we need to do with this then what what do we do with this and so i hope the title of the message will kind of bring some shape with where we're going today and so the title of the message is this Realigning our hearts and recalibrating our focus. Realigning our hearts and recalibrating our focus. So when you bring something into alignment, it requires adjustments. And the first thing that comes to my mind is marksmanship training. So like being on the rifle range or the pistol range. Sorry, there's a lot of military-focused analogies today. But I, I think you'll get the picture even if you've never even fired a weapon before. So, in order to hit the target, you need to have proper sight alignment. So, what does that mean? Well, it means there's a little circle at the back of your weapon, and then there's a little tip at the end. and You got to line them up, right? I can't do it. Like... Right? You got a rear sight aperture. You got a front sight post. You line them up on the target. It makes sense, right? You, you got to have some sight alignment. It, it makes perfect sense. If your alignment is off, you're going to miss the target. That's just simple. Makes sense. So, what do we have to align then? We need to align our hearts with the things of God, or we're going to hit something else. We're going to hit something, but it's not going to be the things of God. And we'll get into this. I'm just kind of setting up the big picture here. So, when it comes to recalibrating our focus, I think we can use the same marksmanship analogy with our sight picture. So, once we're aligned, our sights are aligned front to back and on the target we have to have our focus right. So, when you've got this whole alignment and you're about to pull the trigger, what are you focusing on the most? Are you focusing on the front side of your weapon or are you focusing on the target? You're focusing on the front sight and the target is actually blurry, which to the novice doesn't make any sense. You're like... How am I going to know what I'm hitting if I'm not even looking at the target? How does that make sense? Because the front sight post tells you what you're aiming at. I can make a whole message about that. Like I was, I was writing that down. I was like, that is good. I'm going to come back to that because it doesn't make any sense. How is that blurry and I'm still going to hit it? Because you're lined up the right way and you know that the front sight post is is what you're actually aiming at. Okay, so let me draw all this together as we consider a few important questions that are going to help us to realign our hearts and recalibrate our focus in our faith. And so the first question has to do with that idea of running the race with endurance and getting off of the sideline. And that first question is this. Is God deserving of all that we have to give? Does God deserve our time, our attention, our complete focus, our first fruits, our desire, our sacrifice, above everything else. I think we can all agree that God deserves all that stuff, but does he deserve all that stuff above everything else? Like Colossians tells us, preeminent. The answer, of course, is yes. But when it's laid out like that, it can be a little bit intimidating if our hearts aren't properly aligned with who God is in our lives. Did you know that it's impossible? I'm just going to say it's impossible. I'm pretty sure it is. It's impossible to aim at two adjacent targets with one gun and one bullet and hit them both at the same time. You just can't do it. Likewise, in our pursuit of God, our primary target must always be Him because we can't hit Him and something else. We'll hit Him or we'll hit something else. That's what we see in Colossians 3, chapter... Colossians 3, verse 2. Set your minds on the things that are above and not on the things of the the world or the earth. In other words, the things of God. His plans, His desires, His way, His commandments are the target to align with, not the things that this world has to offer. How often do we have to make this daily alignment? I just need it. <laughs> daily, yes, sorry. But why? Why do we have to even do these things? Well, because God is very good to us. Is He not? The Bible tells us that He meets every need. He shelters us from the storm. He leads us beside still waters. He never leaves us. He sent His Son, Christ, to be sacrificed for your sin and for mine. God is faithful. Even when we are not He's our creator, to whom we owe everything. I think the psalmist captures it, and the doxology kind of proclaims it. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. All blessings flow. So a right understanding of God is required for a proper alignment of our hearts. God is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last. He exists outside of time. Yet He knows every hair on your head. He spoke the universe into existence, and yet He emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Philippians 2. This is the God that we serve, church. So is He worthy of everything we possibly have to give Him? Yes, and so your yes and amen to that question is the first step in realigning your heart with God because as we realign our hearts with God, we got to know and understand that He is worthy of all that we have and that every uncomfortable step that we take away from a life focused on us is worth it. Every uncomfortable step that we take away from a life focused on us, is worth it. So hopefully you have that answer really, really deep into your heart right now, that is God worth everything that we have to give? Remember, we're talking about sideline Christianity. We're talking about nominal faith. We're talking about just when we feel like it. Is God deserving of just when we feel like it? Or is he deserving of everything we have to So that's the first question to consider when we're talking about realigning our hearts. The second question we need to ask is, what pleases God? What pleases God? What kind of things really please the Lord that we ought to be considering when we recalibrate our focus? And two things immediately come to, to my mind. One is his name being made great or, or famous. Now famous probably carries kind of a negative connotation in today's world. but the idea is that God's name is made known throughout the entire world. Is this God's desire? Well let's take a look at Psalm 72:19. I'll read it for you. You can write it down if you want. Psalm 72:19 says, "Blessed be His glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. The whole earth be filled with God's glory. But I mean, let's be real. That's hyperbole, right? That's that's an exaggeration to make a point, isn't it? Surely he's not talking about the entire planet, is he? Well, let's look at Habakkuk 2.14. Kind of says the same thing. For the her- For the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord... And then this As the waters cover the sea For the earth will be filled With the knowledge of the glory of God As the waters cover the sea So let me ask you this question As my friend Jim asked me some time ago How much of the sea is covered by water? Not how much of the earth's surface Is covered by water How much of the sea is covered by water? Yes. All of it Yes The answer is yes All of it so, yes, this is the whole earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Why? Because the glory of the Lord reveals his true character and purpose. So this allows the people of the world to experience and respond to God. If the whole earth is filled with his glory, that's the that's the result. So how do you think this happens? Well, it's you, it's me, it's every other follower of Jesus, knowing Jesus and what? Making him known, right? It's not just a cute little catchphrase. It means something, (laughs) knowing Jesus and making him known. It's not about us. We don't want Pillar Church to be famous. We want Jesus Christ to be famous. That's why we're instructed to go and preach the gospel to the nations, to the world. It's also part of being a good ambassador for Christ. Our example of who Jesus is to the world. And if we do this, it is very pleasing to the Lord. Which brings me to the second action that pleases God, obedience. Notice I said, if we did this. Because we know we're supposed to. If we did this, it's pleasing to the, to the Lord. So, obedience. Jesus very simply and very plainly tells us in John 14:15, If you love me, you will what? You will keep my commandments. Like, it doesn't get any simpler than that. It's like, okay, Jesus, thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm not off the hook. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. We love Jesus because we acknowledge that He freely laid down His life for us. Dying, He took our punishment we deserve for our disobedience to Him, and through faith, He gave us the right to become children of God. That's an amazing, wonderful thing, and we love Him because of that, and for so many other reasons. Obedience is at the very heart of what it means to be a Christian. And so when our focus is off... We find ways of justifying our wavering and wandering to our obedience to God. We talked about how, how good we are at making excuses in not being obedient. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is Jesus saying this. So, what are the commandments of Jesus? Go ahead and lay them on me. Love one another. Love, one another. love, God. love God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. What else? Love your neighbor as yourself. We talked about one last week. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. What else we got? What's that? No coveting. Listen. Jesus himself told us, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Can we keep something that we don't know about? Here's a just select example from the list that we already gave. Repent often, don't lust, preach the gospel, forgive others, make disciples, seek God's kingdom first, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Those are just a few examples of what Jesus told us to do why is it important to ask this particular question? Why do we ask what pleases God? Because what matters to God should matter to us. Right? Absolutely. What matters to Him better matter to us. And it's a necessary step in recalibrating our focus. And it's not just about following a bunch of rules. Our obedience is rooted in our love for God. And our understanding of what He desires. So as we're running our race, and we are all running our race, as we're doing it with endurance, what helps us maintain our alignment on God is truly knowing the God that we serve and that He is good and so very worthy of all that we have. And then what helps us keep proper focus is understanding what matters to God more than anything else, that we would... Fill the earth with his glory and walk in obedience to him. Now are these things easy? Most of the time they're they're challenging. They're going to push us and move us beyond our comfort zone as we grow in them. But I gotta ask you, church, if you need more motive than these answers to do this, something is probably wrong. If we need more motive than it's important to God. Or that he's deserving of it? Have you ever thought about it that way? When we're lazy in our faith, when we're on the sidelines and we're watching and we're just not doing much, essentially, what we're saying is that we don't care that God is worthy of what we have to give, or we don't care what matters to God. I know that's harsh, church. It is. It's hard for my heart to say that, and it's hard for my heart to hear it but that's exactly what we're doing. And we need to come face-to-face with that truth. Because as I started the service with the idea that most Christians are ready, ready to admit that we struggle in this area, we got to know why and what we're doing when we're saying this. So here's the all-important question, of course. What is stopping us from moving beyond comfortable and really growing in Christ? What is your true focus? And what is your true desire? Do you believe that God is deserving of all that we have? And is your desire to please him through filling the earth with his glory and walking in obedience? Or could it be that realignment and recalibration is way overdue? Just like when you're driving your car down the street and you take your hand off the wheel and the next thing you know you're three lanes over. That's a problem. That That's... What's going to happen in our Christian walk when we're not aligned on the right things? So the prayer today is simple. It's this. Help me to pursue a life of obedience and faithfulness rather than comfort and ease. Lord, help me to pursue a life of faithfulness and obedience rather than one of comfort and ease. Show us the areas we need to recalibrate and realign. And help us to run the race with endurance. That when we finish the race, we might hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's not why we're running the race with endurance, but that's that's a benefit of running the race with endurance, is hearing that at the other end. So I just want to, again, encourage us this week. Yeah, God has really been working in my heart. (laughs) Um, Because I think part of what he's doing in this whole process across the world, really, uh, is, is causing us to slow down enough in our faith walk to ask these kinds of questions. Because what other time in our history, anyway, have we had this opportunity to really recalibrate and refocus? I don't know of any in recent history. And I mentioned it earlier, the first time we met, I think, if we come out of this time unchanged, then we have really missed an opportunity from God. And I think that's why he's putting particularly these two messages on my heart, for myself and for us. And so I really pray that you would seek him this week and ask, Lord, Where in my life do I need to recalibrate and realign with what matters to you? Not what's easy for me, what matters to you? Not what matters to me. That's a hard question to ask, church. It really is. It shouldn't be. But we're we're often tied up in this world and the things that it has to offer and, and, and work and job and families and all those things, they matter too. And so it's tough to balance it out. I get it. It's tough. But there is a hierarchy that God has given us. And he is always at the top. In every situation. In every relationship. Amen? Alright, let me pray. We'll move into the Lord's Supper. Oh, Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we don't have to guess about what matters to you. Your, your word clearly tells us that your glory, your name being lifted up and praised and, and made much about, that we are to preach that message of hope and forgiveness and reconciliation matters to you. That our obedience matters to you Lord, you've laid it out so clearly for us that if if we love you, we we keep your commandments. He who has the commandments of the Lord and and follows them is the one that loves him. So refocus. Refocus us this week. Lord, recalibrate and realign us on the things that really, truly matter to you. And everything else, Lord, will fall into place. You tell us not to worry about the the food on our backs, the food and the clothes on the back, and and, and anything. You're going to provide it all. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just seek me. Seek me first. My kingdom. And all that stuff will be added to you. God, help us in that this week, this month, this year, in this race for the entirety of our lives, God, pursuing you and what matters to you. God, help us. Help us to do it in community alongside one another. And Jesus, we just pray and thank you for the sacrifice that even made this possible for us to pursue You. But the Word says that You loved us before we, we even loved You. And You laid down Your life for us. As, as as sinners and as rebellious individuals, every one of us, we're deserving of punishment, of Your punishment. But Christ, You, you took that punishment on our behalf, laid down Your life on the cross, Put the wrath of God in our place, exchanged that for righteousness that we might be reconciled to the Father. God, just that alone is enough to pursue you in that we have. Because without it, we are dead in our trespasses and bound for eternity apart from you. So thank you, Jesus. We acknowledge you as Lord and Savior. And if you don't, if you're hearing my voice, and you've not made that profession of faith. You've not made that recognition of your need for a savior. I pray that you would consider those words today. God, moving us in this time, let us not be on the sideline of our own race, and let us not remain unchanged for you. Thank you in Jesus' name.